welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris and welcome to another episode of Dads with Daughters where we bring you guests to help you be participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. And I'm really excited today because we're going to be talking to Clint Pulver. And, uh, you know, I first learned about Clint when I saw one of his YouTube videos that's out there. Um, And it was a really motivational video that was out there that talked about his experience in growing up and a teacher that really impacted his life. And as someone that is involved in education myself, um, I, I, it really resonated with me. And I could see why, as a profession, Clint is a motivational keynote speaker. He's an author. He's a musician. Um, and, you know, and he also is a professional drummer. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the things that got him into where he is today. Uh, but I have, as always, I'm always excited to talk to other fathers, and he is a father of a daughter as well. So, Clint, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's truly a pleasure. Thanks for letting me be a part of uh, the show. You know, it's my pleasure having you here. And I always love to start our shows talking about you as a dad. And being a father to a daughter, first and foremost, I always have to ask you about that first reaction. What was the first reaction that you had when you found out that you were going to be a father of a daughter? Well, first off, I always wanted a little girl. So I don't know, some dads kind of grow up saying, I want that boy or that son. And I just always wanted a little girl. And so when I found out we were having a baby girl, it was, I was just, uh, you know, through the roof. I, I wish uh, granted. And yeah, I mean, I, just for the longest time, all I wanted to do was be a dad, a good husband and a dad to a little girl. And I oddly enough, even had her name picked out, uh, which was kind of like a prerequisite to when my wife and I got married. I said, hey, FYI, uh, if we ever have a baby girl, we I want her name to be Lily. So I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> I was very, very, very excited. Very lucky. Now, to be a fly on the wall and to see what your wife had said at that point might have been an interesting conversation. But it, it sounds like she agreed with you. Uh, she did. She actually liked the name, thankfully. Uh I remember when I first told her, she was like, um, okay, interesting. And uh, obviously then as we were dating and uh, then after we got married, uh, you know, I kept dropping the, the name Lily once in a while. And I think it grew on her and, and she thankfully did love the name. And, and uh, we both chose that name for her, even though that was a little bit of a prerequisite. <laughs> well, I love that. Now, I know that your daughter is a little less than one years old, so she's she's still young. But what would you say has been the most memorable experience that you've had with her thus far? We love to do rocket ships. Uh, I know it sounds a little weird, but we uh, I hold her up by her legs and we just I'm a pilot as well. So flying is uh, hopefully a most likely probably in her genes and she just loves it and I love it and we play rocket ships and we fly all over the house so I don't know if that's necessarily a favorite memory but it is something it's a moment that I just I love I look forward to I don't know just sharing in those moments with her obviously you know whatever brings your child happiness uh Real happiness is always a priority, I think, to most parents. And so that's been a fun moment for us to share flying around together. And I didn't realize that you were a pilot. So that's very cool to be able to share that even early and then as she gets older as well. Now, what would you say is your biggest fear in raising a daughter today? 
I think there's something to be said for the, the power of a child knowing their potential and their worth. And so I think maybe more so than an actual fear, it's more of just a major priority to make sure that she always knows her potential and her worth. Um, I work with a lot of young people. For the last seven years, I've been a, a professional youth speaker traveling the country, uh, speaking to 200 to 300,000 kids every year. And uh, it was the Hawthorne Institute that did a study that found that on average, your young person will have anywhere from 15,000 to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Uh, but what they've also found is that 80% of those thoughts are negative. Thoughts like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not worth it. I am not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I don't sit at the cool table at lunch or even, you know, and then we add social media on top of that. I only got 56 likes on my Instagram post or, you know, I, I'm not on the cheerleading squad or the dance squad or I'll never go to college. And, and we laugh a little bit at maybe some of those things and they might seem trivial or trite at times. But if you compound that 80% of negativity day after day after day, and you look at the current stats of the young people where you know 3 million kids are bullied every single day, and suicide is still the second leading cause of death for young people, uh, uh, we lose uh, 2.5 million kids every year just dropping out of school because it's just not where they feel love. That's not where they feel supported. They don't feel that it's worth their time for a lot of various reasons. And so for me, I think instilling that in her and as young as I can to know that she has the potential to build that self-confidence, that worth, and to help her to understand how to stay in the positive, to know that it's not always sunshine and rainbows and know that life is hard and you're not going to be perfect and there's going to be difficulties, but how to handle that and to still maintain your worth. I think I think every every young person needs that. And when you have other people that believe in that, uh, but also you as an individual believe that in yourself. I think you set yourself up to live a more significant life, not just a successful life, but to understand that truly you have the opportunity to be the best for the world and you're worth that and you have the potential to do so. Wow. I need to rewind that and listen to that about 20 times and then listen. have my daughters listen to it about 20 times too, because I think that what you just said is so powerful. And I guess I want to go back in time with you a little bit, and I want to learn a little more about how did you get to this point where you are going around and you're motivating kids to be able to reframe and reframe what society may have thrown at them, what others are throwing at them, to be able to look at the potential that they have within themselves. You know, this show is all about helping dads be better dads, and you know, I see the role of a father as one to be able to embody and to help my daughters to be able to live that way that you just said. It's not always easy, but it's something that I try to do. So talk to me a little bit about how did you get to from where you were growing up to where you are now? And then I want to ask you some questions specifically about um, some things that dads can do to be able to do exactly what you just said. Yeah, I would say for me, when I was younger, I believe this more so even now that every person is one success story away from a caring somebody. Uh, and there's times in my life where I haven't seen my potential or I haven't seen my worth. I wanted to be a pilot when I was younger, went to flight school, did all of that. I ended up having an eye disease where I was going to lose my sight at age 31. And I went from having direction and a career path 
to literally having no idea what to do with my life. And it was William Damon out of Stanford. He did one of the the largest studies on youth, and he found that the number one contributing factor as to how young people find purpose in their lives is through the association and connection with other purposeful people. And I believe that. Uh, you know, it's it it's you know, you can call it classic Jim Rohn, right? Where he said you become the average of the five people that you associate with most, or you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Or if you put a hard to catch horse in a field with an easy to catch horse, you usually end up with two hard to catch horses, right? It's that association and that connection where young people have the opportunity to associate with good people doing good things, purposeful things that can ignite and I call it spark the possibilities of what could be. And so that has been my story uh, since the beginning. Uh, I, I, again, I love what Sir Isaac Newton said, where he, he claims that if I have ever seen further in my life, it was because I was standing on the shoulders of giants that allowed me to see. And I think the fathers that are listening to this, you have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to be those giants in our daughters' lives and, to, and in our spouses' lives. Uh, to be that significant person that when they're with you, they go, I like myself best because I'm with you. And how your daughters experience you and how they experience themselves when they're with you matters. And the more that we can advocate for our kids, not just develop them, I think the stronger connection we create. And I, I believe that no significant loyalty, no significant learning Truly, no significant love happens without significant connection because every person in every relationship is always asking the question, let me know when it gets to the part about me. And when we as fathers help people, you know, especially our kids, connect to their dreams, when we become that catalyst where we advocate, uh, yes, we still need to develop. Yes, we still need to teach lessons. Yes, we still need to help them grow and to learn from mistakes. But so many times kids just need simply an advocate. And I have had that throughout my life. I have had people that have seen the possibilities and the potential and the worth in me when I didn't see that within myself. And that is what allowed those, those people to never be forgotten in my life. I never, you never forget those people. That's why we remember the great teachers. We remember, you know, the significant parents because they got to the part about you. You know, I love that. And I, I, I completely agree with you that you have to be an advocate for the, the children in your life, whether it be a daughter, as we're talking to dads with daughters or sons or, or, or just youth that you work with. And I, um, I know that that's, as I said earlier, it's not always easy to be able to connect, but it's easy to advocate and always to be that advocate for your, for that youth by you. Now, I, I, I'd love to hear some thoughts that you have, because I know that you work with youth and you talk to them all the time and you are, you're getting a pulse of the, of society today through their eyes. And uh, from what you're hearing from girls, boys that are, that are growing up in society and growing up with the, the challenges that society may throw them, um, the messages that the society may throw them. What would you say to fathers that are listening, parents that are listening, uh, about the messages that we may not hear, that you're learning about, that would help us to better advocate for our own children? 
I think in in my experience as a father now, and then also working with young people as long as I have, I would say that the kids today are no different than they were, say, 20 years ago. Um, and I know a lot of people listen to that and they go, uh, are you kidding me? And I would still say that they are no different. However, the world that they have grown up in has changed. The pressures, the situations that they deal with have changed, whether that's social media, whether that's the, the context of school, uh, even now in the situation that we're living in with the uh, COVID-19. Uh, the world is changing continuously. However, the, the core traits of being seen, being heard, being understood, being loved, being cared for, the power and strength of relationships, those are universal truths. And young people need that as much as the baby boomers, uh, the Gen Xers, whatever you want to call it. And so I think knowing that, I think that that's a, a significant piece because I think it's easy to look at young people and view them through the lens of their age or view them through the lens of a generation or say you're, you're a dang millennial or you're a Gen Z person and you're entitled, lazy, or you don't know what it's like to work. And I think when we get rid of those stigmas and we start focusing on the person, that's when we have the opportunity to connect and we realize that it's not a generation, it's a situation problem. Uh, and so another thing too that just comes directly off, off uh, the top of my head, when I have seen kids approach me with a flip phone or kids that don't have social media or even kids that don't have cell phones, there is Seriously, in my seven years, there is a distinct difference between children that have been given uh, the freedom or have been given the permission or the opportunity or whatever you want to call it to dive into social media at a young age, to have a cell phone at a young age versus the ones that don't. And one thing that I have told myself as a young father uh, that I've committed to that my daughter will not have social media, Instagram, even, I mean, the, the, there's something to be said for a text uh, or, or excuse me, a cell phone or to be able to text or to communicate via a phone. But you are putting literally a grenade in kids' hands at times and they just, they don't have the mental capability, the maturity to hold that much power, responsibility and I, I have seen firsthand how incredibly toxic it can be in young people's lives. And for me, that is just, I don't know. And I know there's some parents that will hand their child a phone, give the kid the iPad. And for me, I think that we need to have some standards. We need to have some boundaries with that and allow uh, the children's brains to, to, to function and to grow with education and limits and proper training and monitoring even you know, adults, we struggle with this. Uh, I see all the time so many parents and dads say, I wish my kids would get off their cell phones. And they're on their cell phones just as much as the children are. So I think it's a, something that just needs to be moderated. It needs to be thought about a little bit more because I've, just, I've seen how much and how quickly it can affect young people. It definitely can. And and I agree with you in many senses that, I mean, uh, you have to have a plan. You need to be able to have those conversations, to be able to talk about those things in, at, you know, at the right time so that students, uh, kids can better understand what uh, they are you know, being given and the responsibility that's going with that um, and what can happen. Um, in my own life, I've seen some of the bullying that can happen within social media and have had to have some some 
challenging conversations with my daughter, my oldest daughter, about some of those things. One thing that I would ask you, too, is the fathers that are listening today, they are going to have to have some of these hard conversations, talking about body image and self-esteem and talking about technology and talking about lots of different things, about what's impacting our children to be able to be the best selves that they can be and to be able to find the success that they want in their futures. Are there specific things that you might recommend to to dads to be able to to open the door to be able to break the ice and to be able to start having some of those conversations whether it be from an early age or even you know as kids are getting older and and maybe pulling away a little bit more as a father as a spouse any when you when you're working with relationships you're Every day, you're either making deposits of trust or you're making withdrawals. And so I would you know, say to myself, I would say to anybody that's listening, how many deposits of trust are you making every day with your children? Because the more deposits you make, in my experience, allows you that when you need to have tough conversations, when you need to enforce rules, when you need to parent, when you need to enforce, whatever, whatever you want to call it, you've created that connection. You've created that strong relationship that allows you to have those tough conversations. I think sometimes we're developing too much, right? You're, you're high on standards, but you're low on connection. And so when we do try to connect or when we do try to enforce or we ask something, we get rebellion, we get pushback. You get this sense of why all of a sudden do you care when you didn't care before? Or you're not coming from a place of relevancy because you don't know who I am because you've never taken the time to know who I am. You don't like the things I like. You know, I, I again, everybody's asking you the question. Let me know when it gets to the part about me. And I think the more that we can do that and we build that trust, you build that connection. It opens the window to have those harder conversations in a way that that just that just helps uh, because again, you have a stronger relationship. Another thing uh, we've done, I've owned an organization called the Center for Employee Retention for the last five years. And in that, we we did uh, research called the Undercover Millennial Program. It's kind of like Undercover Boss without the makeup. And we've worked with uh, over 180 organizations, and we've interviewed over 10,000 young employees undercover. And I would go in simply looking for a job, and I would ask them, what's it like to work here? What do you what do you love? What do you like? What do you not like? Would you recommend it? And we have a book that's coming out next spring, and it's called "I Love It Here: How Great Leaders Create Organizations That Their People Never Want to Leave." And so many of those principles in a corporate world, or even in just a business world, whether you're in administration, you're in management, you're on an executive team, so many of those universal principles translate over to fatherhood. I love it here how great fathers create households that their daughters never want to leave, right? That they truly want to be a part of, that I want to be close to my dad. I want to be connected with my mom. I want to be connected with my, my family. Uh, because again, I like myself best because I'm there. One of the significant things that we found that great leaders did, and I think that great fathers do this as well, is what we call status interviews. And a status interview or a status check is simply an opportunity for you to check the vitals of your kids. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And I think that sometimes they just need that specific time where you're just checking in on how they're doing, just to check in on how they're doing because you love them. In the status interview, there's three questions, and these are kind of a little bit more corporate geared, but they can be geared to fatherhood as well. And the first question 
is what can I do to keep you here? So we would have an employer at least once, twice a year, check in with an employee one-on-one and say, what can I do as a manager, or in this instance, what can I do as a dad to just keep you here? And, and what I mean by that, again, in fatherhood is, what can I do better for you? What do you need more from me? How can I be a better dad to make sure that you know that you're loved, to make sure that, that you know that you're heard, that you're seen? I want to make sure that you're understood. What can I do better to, to do that? And then the second question is, what's getting in the way of your success? And then the third one is, what can I do to help you get there? And I think, again, listening to your kids' struggles, your kids' issues, their problems, the hard days at school, even the good days, right? Like Because again, I think you're trying to move into that role of being an advocate, not necessarily a friend, right? You're not the buddy parent. You're the mentor parent. You're the advocate. Uh, someone that still has standards and rules, but you also are high on that connection. And I think that routine status check gives you the opportunity to check the vitals of your kids. And so, yeah, take a moment and just simply, I don't know, when's the last time as parents, we literally sat down with our kid and said, what can I do to be a better parent for you? And I found that most kids, when you've created those deposits of trust, they'll tell you if you have those deposits of trust. And again, there's always different variables and you're going to have different kids and different situations. And this is not a one size fits all. But I think that approach of, again, making sure that we get to the part about them, the status interviews help to do that. Now, I guess one thing that I'm going to ask you is this, because when you talk about deposits of trust, there are going to be dads that are listening today that are going to say, dang it. I don't feel like I have those, or I am not at that point where if I ask that question, I'm going to get a good response back, or I'm going to get a response that's going to be helpful to me. How do you start putting those deposits of trust into play if you haven't in the past? Yeah, I think a little by little makes a little a lot. And sometimes it's the smallest and the most simple things that make the greatest difference. And again, I I think, you know, Ask them, ask them, like, you know, what, what, do, what do you need? How can I help? What can I support you in? You know, yeah, do you know their favorite? Yeah, you know their favorite band, but would you be willing to like buy tickets and go to the concert with them? Like, yes, you know what they love, but are you willing to dive in and invest in, in doing some of those hobbies or uh, sporting events or, uh, I don't know, just again, getting to the part about them. And I think it's just it's sometimes some very small and simple things uh, that can make a big difference in that. And again, ask ask the child, ask them. I think sometimes we we th- we you know we go, I know what you need, I know what you want. And sometimes the kids just want to be asked. I wish mo- mom and dad would just ask me. And if I say something, if I give them some feedback, if I give them some things to improve on that they would hopefully listen to that and be willing to change and do better over time. I feel like, again, it's got to be that win-win situation. And it is so much easier said than done. I understand that. But again, little by little makes a little a lot. I appreciate so much all that you shared today. And I know I've been taking some notes and I hope everyone has as well. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent. Are you ready? Yeah, great. In one word, what is fatherhood? Joy. When was a time you felt 
like you finally succeeded as a father to a daughter. Man, with her being so young, I, I, for me, it's just it's just making sure that I give her quality time. Uh, and that, to me, right now, especially as a speaker traveling on the road a lot, I'm not home. And so as much as I'd like to be. And so when I am home and making sure that I'm present and giving her quality time has helped me to feel successful as a father. Now, how would you hope that your kids describe you as a dad? Uh, I I would hope that they uh, would describe me as an advocate and someone who was a mentor and was willing to do anything to make sure that they were uh, happy and had the chance to live a significant life. Who inspires you to be a better father? Uh, Many of my mentors. My dad, first off, uh, but there's also another man named Rob Terry that I just admire. I've had so many, again, mentors, people that I've grown up uh, associating with and have seen how they have been incredible fathers and husbands and uh, spouses. And I just, I'm very grateful for their example. Now you've given a lot of advice, but I always ask the last question of what advice would you give to other dads? And it may just be that you've given everything, but do you have any other advice that you'd want to leave with people today? Well, uh, being a a very young dad (laughs) and very limited in my experience in fatherhood, but also again, dealing with a lot of young kids, uh, my advice would be simply to love more and worry less. And finally, if people want to find out more about you and everything that you're doing, where should they go? Yeah, they can find me at clintpulver.com and then also on Instagram. Just clintpulver is the handle. Well, we'll put links in the notes today. Clint, thanks so much for being here. I really, really appreciate your time and, and all of the advice that you gave today. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. No, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals we buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best Dad, you can be. Be the best dad you can be.